This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. We are joined by Dr. Claire Cutland. She's a scientific coordinator at the VIT African Leadership in Voxonology Expertise Consortium and works with the Respiratory and Meningeal Pathogens Research Unit. Thank you so much, Dr. Cutland, for joining us here on the COVID Report. My first question to you, is, Dr. Cutland, is please help us understand what is coronavirus. We have had a lot of names and explanations around the virus in the past seven months, and we know that it is a respiratory disease that attacks a lot of parts of the body. Please tell us more on the finding that you have been working on. Thanks for having me. So coronavirus is a virus which is found, it's a common virus which circulates in the environment. There are different types of coronavirus species that are present. And this particular one that we're seeing at the moment is a new strain which has been identified at the end of 2019 in China. The SARS outbreak in 2002-2003 was also caused by a coronavirus, as was the MERS outbreak in 2011-2012. So it's a respiratory virus which circulates in the environment. It is um, carried in the mucus secretions of humans and other animals. And this particular one, as I mentioned, was identified in patients who were admitted to hospital in Wuhan and China initially um, with unusual features. Over the course of the last week or so, we have um, since been inundated with reports that the virus is what led to that discovery being made and that change in view of this virus being made? So thanks for that question. I'm not um, an expert on the different size of the particles, but what what essentially it means is that virus is spread by droplet infections. It will be contained within little droplets of mucosa, um, of of mucus, like the, the spit secretions from nose and mouth. And those droplets are quite large and they will fall down to the surface and land on a surface. And that is what is thought to be the main method of spread of the coronavirus initially. What has been endorsed over the last week by the World Health Organization is that coronavirus can spread in an airborne fashion. So what that means is that it can be contained in smaller droplets which remain suspended in the air for a longer period of time and do not fall as quickly quickly and settle on surfaces as quickly. So what this means is that in an environment, um, in a school classroom or in an enclosed area, those coronavirus particles can remain suspended in the air for a longer period of time than what was initially thought, which means that there is more likelihood of people becoming, you know, breathing it in, just being in the same room as somebody who has coronavirus. Now, there has been what I like to call a great race to a vaccine. And WITS is one of the institutions that has been working on a vaccine for COVID-19. Please take us through that and advise on how has the process been, how is the public receiving it, and how are the results thus far? Thanks very much for that question. Yes, so WITS has set up the the first vaccine trial to enroll participants in a COVID vaccine trial in South Africa. The vaccine that is currently in clinical trials in South Africa 
is a vaccine that was developed by the Jenner Institute in Oxford University in the UK. This particular vaccine is a viral vector vaccine. It used an adenovirus of a non-human primate. And that particular virus has been modified genetically where it has part of the genetic code has been removed so that it cannot replicate or multiply within the body. And then also a portion of genetic code has been inserted into the adenovirus um, vector, which codes for the spike protein of this SARS-CoV-2, which is a novel coronavirus. This vaccine has been, as I said, developed in the, the UK, and it is currently in clinical trial testing in the UK, where more than 7,000 participants have been enrolled into trials since um, the middle of April. The vaccine has also initiated clinical trials in Brazil. Brazil will be enrolling up to 5,000 participants using this vaccine. In South Africa, we initiated the clinical trial as well, and I will tell you about that shortly. And there are plans also to vaccinate up to 30,000 participants in the USA with this particular vaccine. Oxford University has partnered now with AstraZeneca, who is using their manufacturing process to manufacture large quantities of the doses required for currently clinical trials. So in South Africa, we initiated screening for this particular trial on the 18th of June at three sites based in Gauteng. The principal investigator, the national principal investigator is Prof. Shabemadi, who is head of vaccinology at Fitz University. There are three sites that are currently active in Gauteng at the moment, affiliated to Fitz, and there are an additional four sites that will be coming on board in the next week or so to enroll participants. The first vaccinations were administered to participants in South Africa on the 24th of June, and they were enrolled to receive um, their first vaccine was, was given on the, from the 24th of June onwards. The trial is um, going to be enrolling just over 2,000 participants in South Africa. 50 of these participants will be, participa will be people who are infected with HIV and are stable on antiretroviral therapy. The remaining almost 2,000 participants will be HIV uninfected participants. At the moment, we've only initiated recruiting HIV negative or HIV uninfected people onto this trial. The first 50 participants who enrolled were part of a, an intensive safety cohort where they've had multiple safety bloods done before they were enrolled and will have multiple safety bloods and, um, done through the course of their trial participation. Once these 50 participants were enrolled, we moved into enrolling the second group of participants who are also being monitored closely for safety features but do not have quite as many clinical visits. All the trial participants will be followed up for one year after the date of receiving their vaccines. And they will be receiving one or two doses of the, the vaccine or placebo. 
This particular trial is what we call a randomized controlled clinical trial, and it is blinded. And what that means is that half of the participants will receive the active vaccine, and the other half of the participants will receive a placebo. In this trial, we're using normal saline, which is commonly used for back or um, other drips and so on. And we're using sterile normal saline as a placebo. So the pharmacists in the clinics are what we call unblinded. They know which participants receive the vaccine or the placebo. The way that the vaccines and the placebo are um, mixed up and drawn up into the vaccine syringes is different for the, these two vaccines. So it is un, unable to do a process called double blinding. So the pharmacists are the, and um, a vaccine administrator in each clinic are the only people who are what we call unblinded to the vaccine um, or placebo randomization group. All of the investigators and the trial participants are blinded, which means that they do not know whether they have received the active vaccine or the placebo. To date, there have been 222 participants enrolled in this trial in Gauteng. There are about 20 or so participants being screened at each of the clinics every day. So up to about 300 participants being screened and consented for trial participation per week. We anticipate this number going up once the additional four sites have started enrolling, which should happen within the next week. Of the additional four sites are based in Gauteng. There's two of them in Gauteng and two of them in the Western Cape. I'm going to go through... Um, the, the screening process. To date, there have been over 500 volunteers who have been screened for this trial. That means that they have been attended to in the vaccine trial clinics. They have had the opportunity to read and discuss the informed forms, which goes through all the information about the trial, what the trial means, how many visits there will be, what the responsibilities are of the trial participants, what the responsibilities are of the investigators and the research teams. And they have made an informed decision to agree to take part in the trial. Once a participant has, been, has signed an informed consent form, the clinical team, the investigators, will go through a series of questions about their past medical history and their, their current medical conditions, as well as perform a full clinical examination. These procedures are to ensure that the participants that we're enrolling are healthy and do not have any significant underlying diseases. Participants can, um, will be excluded if they have got undiagnosed, uncontrolled medical conditions, including uncontrolled hypertension or diabetes. Also at the moment, we are not enrolling HIV infected participants, but we'll be doing so later 
in the trial in the next month or so. If participants are significantly overweight, they will also be excluded as they're not considered to be healthy enough to partake in this particular trial. The trial at the moment is enrolling participants who are between 18 and 65 years of age. And as many of us know, as people age, the number of comorbid diseases increases. So somebody who is 55 or 60 is much more likely to have a comorbid disease like hypertension or diabetes than somebody who is younger. What has been reported both in South Africa and globally is that participants, is that patients with coronavirus disease who have got significant underlying comorbid diseases have got a higher rate of morbidity and mortality than younger and fitter individuals. So ideally, the vaccine needs to be given to higher risk groups, including your elderly and people with morbid conditions. However, the safety of the vaccine needs to be established first in healthy volunteers. Of the 520 participants who have currently been screened, we have needed to exclude about 20% of them because they have underlying comorbid diseases and they do not they are not eligible for trial participation. As it pertains to um, people who participate in the trials and are found to be asymptomatic during the process, are they allowed to continue with partaking or do they get removed from the list that you mentioned? Thanks for that important question. What has happened in the, the last two weeks is that we have seen that the number of volunteers and people walking around in the community who have asymptomatic coronavirus disease is astoundingly high. When we initiated the trial, participants were, were screened and consented at a screening visit. The screening visit initially did not include testing for coronavirus disease. However, in the first 200 odd participants who were enrolled, the, we realized that the incidence of coronavirus disease in the population is really high. The way that was established is that on the day of randomization, which is a day on which the participants are given their vaccines, a nasal swab was collected from all of the participants just before they were given the vaccine. And this swab was sent for PCR testing to look for the genetic material of coronavirus. Of the first 202 participants who were vaccinated in this trial, just over 20% of them were found to have current COVID-19 disease. They were, however, all asymptomatic and healthy. This is much higher than we had anticipated. The issue with this finding is that we were now enrolling participants who prior to the time that they were actually given the vaccine had coronavirus disease, which means that the body would already have started reacting to their coronavirus disease and results of the trial could be impacted negatively by including these participants. The primary analysis for this trial is specifically looking at people who were negative for coronavirus on the day of vaccination. So if we were to include these participants in all of our analyses, 
it would impact the power of the study to be able to give us the answers for the questions that we are asking on this trial. What has happened in the last two weeks, and because of these, this very high rate of asymptomatic carriage in the community, we've had to implement a protocol amendment. With that amendment, we've changed the screening procedures that the participants, the volunteers, who are wanting to take part in the trial will undergo. So at the time of screening, in addition to going through the consent forms and having a full examination and blood stand for safety and hepatitis B and HIV, an additional nasal swab has been added in the screening time window, and that is looking for coronavirus. What we are wanting to do is identify people who have got current coronavirus disease at the time of screening and exclude them from vaccination. Of the participants who received the vaccine in, um, prior to this protocol amendment and were found tested positive for coronavirus disease at the time of vaccination, they will remain on the trial. They will complete all of their visits as scheduled and follow-ups with the trial team. Their data will not be able to be used for some of the analyses, but their data will certainly be used for other analyses. And it is essential to follow up all the participants for safety of this vaccine. Going forward, all participants who are vaccinated in this trial will have had a negative swab within the four days prior to their vaccination. And that is a swab that is negative for coronavirus. An incredibly intricate process this takes, this seems to take, and a lot of effort is put into it. Now, many, a university in Russia has shared that they have successfully completed human trials and the vaccine could be ready. What are your thoughts on this? And what is the timeline that should be expected for the vaccine here in South Africa? So the development of a vaccine and conduct of clinical trials is a lengthy and complicated process. The vaccine that we are using at the moment, which was developed by the Jenner Institute and Oxford University, has been developed rapidly. The reason that it was able to be developed so rapidly is that the viral vector that is used as an adenovirus viral vector that is used in this particular vaccine had already been used to develop vaccines against SARS and MERS, which are both coronavirus, which are both coronaviruses. There were over 300 participants who had already received adenovirus vector vaccines using this particular adenovirus vector prior to coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 being identified. So a lot of the safety of utilizing this particular viral vector had already been investigated prior to SARS-CoV-2 being identified. The Jenner Institute and Oxford University were able to utilize this viral vector and change the, the genetic segment that had been put in for the SARS or the MERS into a genetic segment coding for the spike protein of 
SARS-CoV-2. The development of this vaccine from the time that it was that SARS-CoV-2 genetic code was released in very early 2020 to when the first, particip first human participants actually received the vaccine was unprecedentedly rapid. And a lot of that was because of the previous work that had been done on this adenovirus viral vector. Once the vaccine goes into clinical trials in humans, there are th three main phases of clinical trials that have to go through. The first phase is called phase one. And in that phase, usually involves a small number of participants, usually between 30 and 50 participants. And the main objective of a phase one trial is to look at the safety of the vaccine. So when a vaccine is given to a human, how sore is their arm? What sort of side effects do they have? Do they get severe headaches or a fever in the few days after the vaccination? The safety is also looking at not only local and systemic safety in the first week after vaccination, but also ongoing safety. Does the, the vaccine cause any enhanced disease or does it change the way the body reacts to, to disease? The phase two trials are mainly what's called immunogenicity, immunogenicity trials, which means that the, vac the, um, the investigators are looking at how well the body reacts to the vaccine to make antibodies to be able to fight the pathogen. The results from phase one and phase two trials can, it can take usually many years before a vaccine can progress through phase one into phase two and then phase three trials. Phase three trials look specifically at the efficacy of the vaccine. And that's a big question that's being asked here. Will this vaccine work to reduce disease, to reduce either the severity or the amount of disease caused by SARS-CoV-2. These coronavirus vaccines have moved rapidly into human testing and are moving very rapidly through phase one and two clinical trials. One of the important things to remember is that the safety of the participants is absolutely vital to monitor. We need to know before this large-scale rollout of these vaccines that it has been adequately tested for safety in humans to make sure that there are no significant adverse events. The immunogenicity is also obviously essential if the vaccine does not allow the body to mount the correct type of response, which will protect the body from the pathogen, then there's not much, then the vaccine essentially has failed to mount the, uh, so yeah, so then the vaccine has failed to act the way it needs to act to prevent disease. At the moment, the trials that are being done are a combination of phase one, two, trials, so it's looking at safety and efficacy. And because of the speed at which the trials are being enrolled into, there are large numbers of participants, which means we're able, and, and there's a high burden of disease in the community, 
which helps to allow us to look at the efficacy of the vaccine as well. So as the trials move from phase one into phase two and into phase three, more and more participants are enrolled in these trials. The time that it takes usually for a vaccine to move from development into human phases, usually years, that has been rapidly sped up for these coronavirus vaccines. And a lot of it is thanks to work that has been done previously on ensuring that there are vaccine vectors and vaccine platforms that can be used for diseases like this. There's obviously also been a large global initiative and input into getting a vaccine that works, that can be rolled out rapidly in the community to allow life return to what we knew before COVID-19. As far as the results go and the time of results coming out, the, the time that it takes for different results to come out of clinical trials varies depending on which results you're looking at. So the safety results will come out fairly quickly, especially the local, the local react and systemic reactogenicity results. So that is in the week, two weeks, three weeks after the vaccination. How does a person who has received the vaccine feel? And the participants usually need to complete a diary card, a daily diary card, taking their temperature, recording how they feel. So the, the safety results um, usually come out fairly quickly. That's looking at the initial local and systemic reactions. So that's within a couple of months. Immunogenicity results, looking at blood, blood results. So they will take um, several months longer. To be able to, to say that you've got a good efficacy outcome will take more time because participants need to be followed up for an adequate amount of time, which is normally in excess of six months, but up to a year, before we can say that, yes, this vaccine is effective. The way that efficacy is looked at is that trial participants are monitored for the whole year on, during which they are participants on the trial. Every time they come into the clinic for a routine visit, they have a nasal swab performed, which is tested for SARS-CoV-2. And any time they have an illness, which, is, which could potentially be a COVID-19 disease, they are asked to come into the trial clinic and a swab is collected. Participants are blinded as to, and investigators are blinded as to whether they have received the active vaccine or the placebo. So all participants are followed up in the same way without knowing whether this person has received a vaccine or placebo. And once there are adequate numbers of cases, so once a certain number of people have been identified as having COVID-19, on this particular trial. Some analyses will be done in which the unblinded statisticians will look at the distribution of the people who've had COVID-19 and say, well, how many of them were part of the vaccine group and how many of them received the placebo? And that is a way that the efficacy of the vaccine is looked at. If there are lots of participants who received the placebo, who came down with COVID disease, but very few who received the vaccine who came down with COVID disease, then that 
shows that the vaccine is effective in reducing disease. Very insightful stuff here on the COVID report. We have just been joined by Dr. Claire Cutland, who is the scientific coordinator at the WITS Alive Consortium, Alive standing for African Leadership in Vaccinology Expertise. She also works with the Respiratory and Meningeal Pathogens Research Unit. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams via www.vafm.co.za.